Blog Talk Radio. Come back home. 
in the live YouTube chat. Otherwise, if you lost the radio number at 857 Greetings, greetings, Alafia. Greetings, welcome, divine, all blessed, peace and love, joy and prosperity. Elevation, revelation, revelations, and manifestation. You are now sitting live with the Divine Prince and always in archive at your leisure and convenience by way of blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince and also by way of YouTube live at youtube.com forward slash voodoo tide. V-O-O-D-O-O-T-Y-E. You are listening live and always in archive with the Elagoon Oloye Hudu Obeya Bokur, sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a pan-African Hudu world spiritualist perspective. Understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing if you can just see beyond the veils, for it is all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is my constant prayer, my mantra, affirmation, reverberation, reiteration, and it is my ever-living reality. It is crucial to the very foundation of my understanding, my teaching, my walk, my works along this divine, all-blessed life path and journey, and it is how I, the Divine Prince, make sense out of all that we are challenged with here in our daily existence on Mother, Father, Earth, and it is my personal place of power and understanding, the place where I begin, the place where I realize and crystallize all my endeavors, understanding that I, I alone create and co-create my divine destiny, and I and I alone create and co-create my divine, all-blessed reality. And so it is. Ashe, Asheo, Ashe. I welcome you this Friday, the 13th, December 13th, 2019. I am for you live, live, but also in our contact, your leisure on two platforms. Talk Radio, you can call me now at 845 277 
on the last Tuesday in February 2020. So guard your spirit, guard your hearts, guard your mind, keep your third eyes open, keep your hands open, and allow the ancestors on which whose shoulders we all have our being and our standing to carry you forward into another year of great fortune, great prosperity, great happiness, great healing, great growth and evolution. I also want to take this moment before I go to my phone lines to invite you to be a part of my annual New Year's Eve Soul Festival, which is held here in Historic Tremaine around 9 o'clock p.m. New Year's Eve. I give you a chance to get settled in, get parked, get into the ceremony, and we typically go well past midnight in bringing in the new year. There'll be prosperity rituals. There'll be healing rituals. There'll be healing and, and beneficial uh, ceremony that will allow us to move again into 2020. Empowered, clear, open, vibrating at the, at the right octaves, but also ready to receive that which the ancestors and spirit would have for us to possess as we continue to move forward. I am going to go to the phone lines. I'm going to call out your area code first. Uh, I'm going to the phone lines first. Uh, I apologize for all the debacle of technology that we may have experienced on yesterday. I still don't know to what degree. Um, I was actually heard in Blog Talk Radio on yesterday. So I appreciate my first caller, um, area code 203, for calling in and also giving me an opportunity to make sure that you get them. Um, is functioning and operating uh, up to par today. So area code 203, who's calling and where are you calling from? Hi, my name's Pat. I'm calling from Connecticut. I'm a first-time caller. Yes, greetings and salutations. How can we assist you today? Well, um, I don't know. I hope my question's appropriate since I'm new. Um, you, you caught my eye um, on Blog Talk Radio. I um, am deal. I've moved to an apartment building, and I'm dealing with some negative people. One, I thought befriended me. Now, is, is my question is, seem like it's going to be appropriate? Um, I'm, I typically don't do personal readings and conversations okay. on the air. Uh, I'm willing to address. Uh, general questions, of course. Well, I was going to ask, how does one, without getting heavily in concerned about the other person, how does one protect oneself from the negative energy that's going to you all the time? And it's it's unfounded. That's actually a, a great question. I, I would say that many people in the range right now can relate to that. Um, I personally can. really bad. Can you hear me? I'm breaking up. Keep trying, though. Okay, I will. Um, And thank you for letting me know about about the technology because we have been having some issues with technology. Um, That's a question that many people in the listening audience can relate to and I'm sure would want to hear a response to. And of course, the the answer can be as specific to environment, 
but there can also be very general things that you can do overall that can uh, protect you, defend you in a mobile sort of way, meaning environment won't necessarily be as, as relevant. Uh, we have been talking in most recent shows about crystals, minerals, stones, and indeed there are stones that you can work with that can create active force fields of energy around you to protect you from wayward, if not consciously directed energy. Um, a very common mineral would be hematite. It is a very popular and also cheap mineral to some degree. But unfortunately, it's being bastardized in a lot of these rock shops and jewelry shops. So be sure that what you're actually purchasing is hematite. I tend to stay away from pre-made jewelry. Often I will buy my coral or I will buy my beads or I will buy my pearls or I will buy my gemstones loose to first ensure that they are authentic and then mount them, string them, rope them together in jewelry. So I don't suggest that you buy hematite jewelry right off unless you are sure that it's absolutely hematite. Typically, okay. if it's polished, if it's carved, if, if it's shaped, if it's cut, you need to question the authenticity of the, of the mineral. There's another base mineral that's commonly used to create what's called magnetic hematite, which is not hematite at all. It's just made to look like hematite, and then it's uh, um, charged with this electric current that runs through it. So, so that's an example of something that's not hematite at all. Now, my viewers can see that I've held up a, a real polished hematite stone on camera. So Carla, you might wanna go back later and look uh, on YouTube at the video. Hematite is a red stone. It appears metallic. It appears, appears mirrored and shiny when it's polished. But if you were to drag this across the sidewalk or across a porcelain plate, it's going to uh, leave a red residue, not gray, not metallic. It, it's a copper ore. It's, it's an iron ore uh, hematite. It also has a natural energetic charge within it that integrates well in our electrical field, in our electrical body. And so this is a stone, a base stone that you can carry, have in your purse, have in your bra, have in your pocket, have in your pouch, even uh, crochet or knit a pouch and have it charged to amplify your protective frequencies, which will uh, create a force field around you, making it harder for this negative energy to sort of penetrate and affect you directly. As in any case, when you're using darker colored stones and stones that don't technically qualify as a crystal, you want to make sure you're using quartz, clear quartz, in order to charge your frequency, keep your chakra systems, if you understand what chakra systems are, keep them yeah. open, keep those wheels spinning um, appropriately, and this will enhance the work that your hematite does. 
Now, if you are uh, creative, if you can't afford it, and you're having, uh, let's say, a talisman, for instance, uh, uh, something you wear around your neck that might be set in gold or silver cords, and you want to have hematite, real hematite included in that, that would also amplify that protective force field that, that first of all, we all naturally have, but it is weakened by many things that I mentioned on the previous show, diet, amount of water and fluids we're taking in, amount of energy, positive and negative that we might be under. There's all sorts of stress, for instance, some stresses like uh, stress that creative people might be under, that, that performers might be under, may show up as a positive stress. But then there are other stresses that we are under, other challenges that we are under that can also weaken that energetic field. Also, um, of course, generational curses, unhealed issues, all of these things can erode and create pits and holes within your energy field, which allow um, wayward and, and consciously directed energy at you to actively reach its target in a way that it might not otherwise. A common belief in and around hoodoo is that if you don't believe in it, that it, it does not affect you. And the reality is, is that energy is real. Energy is tangible and energy is eternal. So it doesn't matter if you can see it. It doesn't matter if you readily perceive it. It doesn't matter if you believe it. That energy is still present. And we all must do and, and acquire the means and skills by which that we can protect ourselves from this wayward energy. Now, you mentioned also that it may have a location-specific um, condition. Uh, and I think you talked about your apartment building, I believe it is, and in, in where you live. And of course, yeah. keeping your house clean. Um, and, and I know that sounds a little bit generic, but if you understand even to some degree what feng shui is and how feng shui works and how energy patterns or pathways set up just like they do in our body through our chakra system, moves through our, our workspace or our living space um, or, or any given space that we spend a great deal of time in. And so negative energy can then be set up in those physical environments. So I suggest cleansing everything with ammonia. Going through with, with soapy ammonia water, you can add uh, um, Florida water to it. You can add a little um, sweetening element to it. So that might be honey, that might be uh, cinnamon powder, depending on um, uh, other things that you might be trying to do beyond uh, protection and defense. Uh, you can break up your cinnamon or buy, not cinnamon, sage, and buy your sage uh, in a powder or, or in a um, larger amount and then break that up into the water and also use that to completely cleanse your living space to the best of your ability. And if you're in a, in a housing complex, in an apartment building, uh, to the best that you can, uh, wipe down your door, your doorknob, clean up in front of your, your doorway, and then sage your environment. Sage it, smudge it, 
burn a little frankincense and myrrh resin, um, a little sage directly on, on your charcoal burner. Um, sage it out a little bit. That takes a little bit of skill when you're in an apartment complex, particularly one of these modern complex full of smoke detectors. So you, you, you have to sort of burn a little and, and, and temper it, burn a yeah. little bit and temper it. Uh, so that you don't set off, you know, your smoke alarms throughout the building. Exactly. Uh, and, and do it, you know, maybe once a month, you know, and, and sort of smudge after your space. And then you can also place mirrors. And, and this is a little bit of hoodoo, um, mirrors that face outward. So if you're inside your apartment, a mirror in a closet or in a corner, facing out towards the hallway. So you wouldn't actually see the mirror surface. It would be up against the wall to some degree. But that would also prevent outside energy from being able to directly affect you. And would also add a, a little element of send back to the people who may also be projecting this issue at you. Now, I would strongly suggest, um, caller, that you email me, divineprince at houseofdivineprince.com. I, I really need to know some of the private, personal details about what's going on, and I really don't want you to talk about that um, in this forum um, so that we can sort of personalize some of the defenses that might be required for you. Um, I, I need to know some symptoms. I need to know. Um, you know, to some degree, what has been occurring there, um, there may be organized systems that are also being directed at you that I may not readily be able to proceed and get the, the general phone call as, such as this. Interesting. Yeah, you hit on one thing. I, 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 I get, I guess, irritated and taken aback when this particular person is still kind of still involved, um, occupied in her mind by me. Um, and I, I, I feel like I want to send back something, but that made me nervous. Is that too negative? So I appreciate you talking about acknowledging the fact that you can send back. The mirror, Listen, it, let me respond to that. You, you didn't actually ask a question. But you brought up a point that I think the listeners need to hear. And we're talking about the curses, which is not exactly what we're talking about. But any idea of send back, multiplying, tripping forces. And, and we can look at many indigenous cultures and traditions, including the Bible to some degree, and, and, and see passages that talk about things being multiplied things being doubled um, for both light and darkness. And there has to be a degree of innocence, a degree of, of um, having your hands be clean, if you will, in terms of yes. the so, so that's important. And of course, if there are details about that, we don't want to go into that right now, not live on air. Um, the second thing is, is that there are absolutely processes that can be applied that don't require you invoking your own darkness or you invoking your own negative energy, if you will. When we fall into ego, 
when we invoke our own darkness, we're, we're then moving across that line into the realm of witchcraft. And there can be yeah. negative reactions there. There's a way yeah. to absolutely be a light worker, a spirit worker, to be, to be uh, operating in clean hands, to have negative things done to you, done towards you, projected at you, and to have that back, to have that supplied in a way that does not leave a toxic residue, residue on you. So I look okay. forward to, to receiving your email that can better um, just um, I'm going to double check before I hang up because I don't see it on the page. It's Divine Prince at houseofdivineprince.org houseofdivineprince.com Okay, houseofdivine okay, the.com Thank you so very, House very much houseofdivineprince.com Wonderful Thank you so much Thank you for your call. Okay. I want to address a chat question about CMOF. Um, and I'm not exactly sure even how the CMOF came into this. Um, if it had something to do with the protective defensive thing, um, or if we're talking about something else altogether. Um, there are healthy foods in the ocean. Um, now that we can we can talk about and, and address, um, and not just sea moss, if you will, but seaweed. And um, seaweed is a very common product in Asia, particularly places like Japan. Um, when we look at sushi, for instance, um, we're seeing seaweed being used. In some cases, sea moss being used. Now, sea moss can be toxic if you don't clearly understand what it is that you're ingesting. So if you're talking about ingesting a product, I would absolutely uh, advise that you buy it um, at the store and, and preferably at um, the Asian markets, uh, the Chinese markets, the Japanese markets, where indeed they're uh, much more accustomed to the operation around foods that might have a toxic element to it um, so that you are sure that you're not getting a product that's toxic or that's going to affect you um, uh, in a negative way. Uh, there are um, mosses that are, are toxic if ingested, but can, can still be used in other forms of ritual magic, potions, lotions, and the like uh, without creating um, negative reactions uh, um, or any kind of biological, uh, physical reactions or responses to it. Um, but that's absolutely uh, a great question. Uh, black salt um, is another protective um, product that has been, been used a great deal. Uh, and that sort of leans into some of the other things that I wanted to talk about today um, as it relates to kudu, uh, conjure, root work, and the long-term listeners have heard me just talk about this before. We've discussed this before. We've shared information before about the overalls of the marketplace, the botanica, the Western store, the Western marketplaces, as it relates to how we operate in who do contract group work. 
I think it's also important not to neglect that voodoo, as I say in almost every show, made its way to the West by way of the Middle Passage. And so it first was a way of our remembering our deities, our powers, our gods, our forces, our rituals, our practices, but then became an act of revolution, then became an act of war, uh, an act of defensive war, and in some cases, offensive war, um, as a response to white supremacy, oppression, enslavement, and, and all the things that, that go along with that. I often, um, and no pun, no pun intended, um, sort of poke the bear um, as it relates to the Orisha romance. Um, and it's probably not entirely fair to single out just those who are uh, infatuated with Orisha. People are too, uh, much of an equal degree infatuated with Haitian Loa. However, the Haitian uh, voodoo system is far too complex uh, and complicated for many people to navigate it, to appropriate it to, to the same degree in which uh, a richer has been appropriated. Um, I find it interesting as I continue to do my research uh, for myself as well as for my students, there's a great deal of information that I don't post uh, that's not in my blog post that, that doesn't make it uh, to air to my shows, but uh, some of my godchildren uh, like Paul Cologne and many of us could tell you, uh, just shows up randomly uh, in their email or, or in their instant message um, communications about some of the things that I'm looking at and exploring. And it's also inclusive of some of the powers, the deities that aren't quite um, appropriated, either because there's a, a general lack of information about them and, and how to access them. And also um, there's that language barrier that I've often talked about in, in previous shows. Uh, languages and dialects that are spoken in Benin and Togo uh, among some of the ethnic indigenous peoples of Ghana and, and Nigeria that can't be run through Google Translate. Uh, aren't easy to learn and easy to uh, find English translatable books uh, that help us to better understand what those languages are talking about and are speaking. Even Eve, to a great degree, is not a language that's widely dispersed in the diaspora uh, in, a, in a format in which people who aren't familiar with those people and the language can navigate in. So the requirement for and the necessity for elders and leadership who can navigate in these cultures, these languages, and these traditions, yet and still cannot be uh, said enough, uh, cannot be overstated. But there are powers that show up in what is commonly referred to today in modern times as juju. We say Orisha. In, in Nigeria, we have Khan in in Ghana, and, and we're talking about ethnic groups. We say Eve, uh, we 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 say um, Fan. We're talking about ethnic groups, but when we talk about Juju, much like we talk about Hoodoo, you're talking about 
what the West coined as folk culture, folk practice among families, the lineages specific to geographic locations, um, typically indigenous locations uh, as they show up around the world. And the indigenous continues to move around and evolve uh, because indeed is, is indigenous the original people and who then are the original people as we begin to look at, for instance, 23andMe, who is now stacking your DNA results up using a linear timeline to show and express where your bloodline, where your lineage, your DNA footprint was at any specific given time in history, following a linear time frame. So the word indigenous is, is often overgeneralized, overused, and it's not as specific as going into looking specifically at ethnic groups, ethnic practices, and ethnic traditions. And juju is something that transcends Hausa, that transcends um, um, Yoruba, that transcends um, uh, Igbo, you know, that transcends the various families, which might be another way of looking at ethnic groups and how ethnic groups grow and, and, and divide and how those family trees um, are, are literally created. They're created through our mothers and our fathers and, and coming together through, through marriage and childbirth. So juju is one of the first things that, in my opinion, and through my study, was demonized, if not stamped out, as a footprint in the West. So many of the, the deities the forces, the powers that a modern Nigerian would associate with Juju, the average Westerner, Black, White, Hispanic, Asian, has no knowledge of at all, or has a very limited range of knowledge in it. Uh, in the most recent years, you may remember I talk about Ailala, A-Y-E-L-A-L-A, -L -A -L -A, in association with sex trafficking. And all these stories, with all their truth and, and facts embedded in them, are also presented and marketed to the West because they're salacious. Stories that involve animal sacrifice are salacious to the West. Stories that involve um, slavery in a 2018, 19, 20 context are salacious to the Western mindset. Not that they are important, not that they absolutely don't uh, inquire, require our attention, if not our activity and our involvement, but are stories that stand out to the Western market, to the Western palette, in terms of how we view our media and our television uh, programming and movie programming, and the element to that, which is entertainment, the element to that, which is salacious, sex salacious, which is really the root of what salacious means. Violence is also salacious now. Weird is also salacious now. Uh, things that are viewed as counterculture or counter-religion, uh, and particularly counter to Islam, Judaism, Christianity, are seen as salacious, powerful, uh, virus-invoking stories that show up in, in the news media and, of course, today in uh, social media. 
So I'll, I'll be uh, back to you in a moment, Keona. Give me a second. So we heard, many heard for the very first time about Ailala because of the slave trafficking. And it was said that this goddess, this power, was used to create fear and a sense of loyalty and obligation um, to many West Africans who are well-versed in Ailala, who know what the power is, who've heard the stories. Um, and I uh, compared that to being born and raised in the American South um, and hearing stories of hoodoo, of conjure, of root work, of voodoo. In, in many of our families, particularly those of us born uh, in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, um, the 30s, the people in the 30s and the 20s, I'm still living. I didn't mean to neglect any particular age group. Uh, we remember those stories. The first stories I can remember as a, as a child, as a toddler, was around voodoo, was around voodoo, around conjure from both sides of my family, my mother's side and my father's side of the family. And they sound and they feel like and they resonate very similarly to the myths and legends and stories and tales as they are passed through the Western, uh, through the North, um, uh, um, Northwestern African family, uh, the, the telling and retelling of the power of our mighty ancestors. Ailala, and I'm sure um, I'm, um, incorrect, someone in Cameroon, Nigeria, Benin, who's, who's listening to me right now, will help me get my information right. Uh, but it's a primordial power. Uh, and many of the primordial powers, uh, a word for primordial power in Yoruba is um, Imole, I-M-O-L-E. Uh, they predate Orisha, older than Orisha. They, they are higher than Orisha. Uh, they're not expressing human uh, characteristics uh, to the degree that, that we see uh, with Orisha and Loa and, and the voodoo proper. I understand in Benin and Togo, they say voodoo. Uh, which, and we say voodoo in New Orleans. So the idea that many of these frightful, from the Western, from the missionaries' mindset, from the colonizers' mindset, from the enslavers' mindset, these powers were seen as scary, frightful, not just because they have sort of this negative, scary imagery attached to them, a great deal of which um, new in terms of historic trying, um, but have a more authoritarian power associated with them. Those who are acknowledging the Yoruba four-day and the West African ritual four-day calendar are paying attention to powers and deities symbolized by, by things such as this today. So you know what I'm talking about. And so even those powers show up in the West in a warlike perspective, particularly when we think of what Bois Cayman is. For those of you who are new to the language, Bois Cayman was the Haitian voodoo ceremony that is said to have fueled 
fed, motivated the Haitian Revolution and, and the sense of fearlessness that the enslaved took in, in acting during uh, the, the Haitian Revolution. Uh, understanding that the Boakema was not one ceremony that happened one, one time, one, one day. Uh, this happened over a course of ceremonies, over a course of, of time. Um, and the Bois Cayman or, or the Black Pig ceremony has its roots in these powers that I'm describing right now that resonate with the law, that resonate with justice, that resonate with police force, that resonate with gaining justice against thieves and liars and, and manipulators and great abuse of divine law and moral law and, and communal law. Indeed, this is a, a great part of what our ancestral masquerades were about. Even how we view the Engrungun of Yoruba today is a little bit celebratory and, and there's alcohol and, and food and, and, and great elders and leaders um, set out, you know, and on, on cushions and in special places um, while you still have that element of fear present in the in the behavior of the children, watch the videos on YouTube of the Egumgum festivals. Watch the behaviors of the children and the women, and even some of the men as they stand around and watch Galad Day masquerade, and and see hints, reminders of a once great fear that existed around these powers as it relates to their judicial purpose. So these. These ideas of curse and revenge are new and modern in that we take a really ugly, uh, abominable uh, circumstance, which is the Middle Passage, colonization, uh, mystery work, and carrying people off in, into enslavement. But go back a little bit in time when West Africa, understand, didn't have police, police station. 911, you know, the fire department, you know, all of that was handled by your community and by your responsible um, uh, members of your community, physically uh, responsible, health um, had a certain amount of uh, authority and responsibility attached to it, as well as roles and, and, and identity roles for men and women. And, and, and five gendered societies where every person a place, every person had a purpose. So the idea that the gods and the deities associated with juju, as we know it today, um, sometimes referred to as voodoo and hoodoo and conjure and root work uh, in, in modern uh, languages, but when we try and, and look at it from an archaeological perspective, from a historical perspective, from what can be documented and, and, and traced and, and looked at, we start finding a commonality in the word juju. juju. And juju is still greatly feared even today in West Africa. Um, it, it's seen as outside the realm of voodoo understanding that voodoo is about healing, it's about nature, it's about balance, it's about childbirth and, and, and tr making our, our life transition in and out of this, this realm of existence. It's about 
uh, crop and food production. Uh, it is about the production and the availability of water, uh, much of which has changed in terms of priority for us here in the West, where we turn on the tap, where we plug it into the socket, things that we take for granted uh, that are still not widely, readily consistent and available in many parts of the world where our brothers and sisters and cousins um, live and still exist in the nations and the lands in which we say birthed these traditions, in, in which we say we're giving acknowledgement to um, in, in, in acknowledging Haitian voodoo and Louisiana voodoo and West African voodoo and Ifa and Akan and, and, and Sangoma practice and, 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 and Hotep Wu to my comedic scientists and, and, and um, mathematicians and quantum uh, metaphysicians out there under the sound of my voice. So these powers, these forces, these ideas that we were fun to for uh, any sense of justice had to be first stripped away from us. And, and you can't strip anger completely away. And anger is an energy. Um, you can't strip the memory of enslavement, the memory of middle passage from a people, even generations later. So it then shows up as a new sort of anger driven by the conditions, the individual conditions that we then found ourselves in and now found ourselves in today. And so these shops and these botanicas and these uh, stores uh, and, and candle shops to some degree have an opportunity to greatly appropriate, bastardize, utilize symbols, imagery, information, knowledge, um, powers for retail first, without any regard to ethno-cultural tradition, without any regard to what's yours by way of your family, what's yours by way of your, your bloodline. Now, if we were talking about a, a book, an album, we would say that's intellectual property. <laughs> you know, but somehow um, the culture, the practice, the belief system, the way of life of, of any given people uh, can somehow be appropriated for the dollar. If it's popular enough, if it's interesting enough, if there's a global or international or national desire for access to something, um, and, and that's not always in the benefit of the people, I'm sure we thought palm oil production would be more in the benefit of the people. Palm nut production, coconut production, banana production, much of all of this is done in, in the lands and the nations and in the ground where these practices and these traditions that we identify as ATR, the umbrella of African traditional religious systems are still to this day uh, practiced and, and, and um, still under the footprint of Christianity and Islam. Forgive me, um, Fiona, if I've, I've been missing any of the questions. So help me out here, Boo. Uh, is abstinence necessary when starting with the Orisha? That's a great question, particularly uh, for a modern Western audience. Uh, understanding that there are people all over the world right now who can and are listening and 
join uh, this broadcast. We know it because we have a map of it um, in Block Talk Radio. So we know that we have, you know, Christian beliefs of sex, sexuality, sexual identity, the relationship between husband and wife, marriages, the roles of, of parents. Um, and, and we know that that, even at its most, um, I don't want to say basic, but at its most primal level, um, is often um, at conflict with Western culture, Western laws, uh, Western taste to some degree. We, we straight movements and, and, and uh, arguments and protests over issues and ideas that are often fueled in the East by people who live in the West. Uh, we see evangelical Christians going to Congo and, and Uganda and Rwanda and places where there is and has been and, and continue to be um, great war and, and tragedy and calamity and interject Christian values in, into those environments. So the ideas that we often have around sex, um, particularly in this audience, are, are, are forced to a, a Western sector. And, and even our Nigerian family and our Ghanaian family and our Senegalese family and et cetera are now too having many of their moral compass um, forced through a Western cipher. We don't readily admit that. In fact, we have black nationalists and, and pan-Africanists and, and, and African representatives uh, globally who suggest that some of the ideas that are being fostered are, are liberal Western ideas that never existed in Africa, that uh, never understanding in Africa, which we know because of the archeological footprint within itself is propaganda and not true. So the idea of purification, sanctification, cleansing, being in an appropriate place to interact with spirit transcends religion as we know it, as we view it, as we understand it, as we identify it, even in a modern context. So I would say whether you are speaking to get a, a greater um, connection with Orisha, Loa, uh, the spirit realm, yourself, meditation, eliminating the things that feed the carnal body has been demonstrated all over the world as having spiritual, profoundly spiritual effects. It's often reduced down into words like wilderness, like fasting, like affluence, a word that you use, isolating, meditating, you know, uh, out, out on the mountaintop. It, it, it's presented in words, it's presented in imagery, it's presented in stories that are passed down generationally um, throughout the world. The idea of removing ourselves from things that feed the animal nature and the earth-based carnal-based nature give us an, an opening to, to the realm of spirit. Now, you know me, so I, I'm not going give, to give you a break, beloved. Word usage is important with me in this chat and, and in how I respond. Um, 
part of my Asperger's, part of my wiring. Um, you use the word Orisha. Now, the protocols of, of building connection, building relationships to Orisha are profoundly specific and unique to, to Yoruba land, to Oyo, to Oshofo, to Ogu, to the towns um, and the people and the bloodlines or lineages of Nigeria that are still actively operating in the initiatory processes around these deities even today. So just the notion of um, us here in the West fasting, abstaining, uh, changing our lifestyle doesn't negate the, the traditional initiatory processes and herbs and other rituals that, that I'm not going to reveal um, here on air that go into connecting with Arisha. Um, something that I made earlier today and talked about um, on the previous uh, edition of the show um, was the idea of our heads being paramount to moving into operation with any of these traditions and these practices. And if our heads are closed, and I'm speaking on, on many levels now, symbolically, uh, euphemistically. Um, if our heads are closed, have not been open, have not been properly prepared, much as we make the heads for these powers, these deities, um, then we just don't have access to them. So we, again, in using ideas of abstinence, ideas of fasting, ideas of uh, uh, other Western-based and even Asian-based um, notions of spirit practice to then access these West African traditions is still a, a, an act of amalgamation. Understand it's still an act of our attempting to synchronize or, or at the minimum make sense of something um, that is indeed more traditional, more indigenous. Um, to what we can originally understand coming from a Western mindset. I use the, the phraseology being renewed, being reborn uh, on the previous show. And not, again, from a Christian perspective, but the idea that we have to change how we view the world in order to even begin to understand um, these indigenous ways of life. Um, even second and third and, and fourth world ways of, of living life, even in a modern context. Many of us have never been outside of the UK, have never been outside of the United States, have never been outside of Canada, have never been outside of, you know, China, Japan, or, or your specific location where, where you might be listening or, or viewing this, this program from. And so I, even that notion, some people in the city have limited understanding of what rural life really is and, and what rural life really takes to use an American uh, term um, or Western term. Rural life might be a comparison to trying to make sense of applying a spiritual, religious, ethnocultural practice um, of old in, and bringing it now into a modern 2020 context. We have to be renewed on many levels to even understand, to even begin to 
apply some of the understanding. So it's often why I say, why many of us say you can't just get it in the book. You just can't, you, you have to have active, active hands-on participation in, in the process in order to have it become understanding as opposed to just understanding. Greetings to everyone, Imani Sankofa, uh, uh, Vanessa, the urban tarot goddess, rising star, anyone that I have not acknowledged. Greetings, salutations to both my blog talk radio audience as well as my YouTube live audience. Uh, if there are any technical difficulties on either platform, in the chat, um, alert me that there might be an issue and give me an opportunity to clear that up. Um, for my caller, um, I see you're still with me, so I'm going to assume that there is not a problem on the phone line. In fact, I'm going to unmute her mic uh, just to give you an opportunity to let me know if things are clear for you on the Blog Talk Radio phone line. Hi. No, no, yes, I'm just, I've just stayed on to listen. Um, not a problem. It, ha it does still go in and out, get very choppy, but past couple of minutes, it's been clear. Thank you. I certainly appreciate that. That, that feedback is really necessary in order to produce a show like this where you don't like CNN or NBC um, to sort of make sure everything is, is operating. I think what I'm going to do differently on this broadcast is instead of using my browser and the uh, phone system that is built into Blog Talk Radio, I'm probably going to use Skype or my phone in the next broadcast and just dial in separately. And that may also um, prevent any buff issues that we experience in YouTube Live from then carrying over into uh, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, I may even also open open the two platforms in two separate browsers. So I may use uh, one browser for one show, another show, and that may also um, eliminate and limit any buffering that might not be specific to my computer or my internet connection from then acting you, uh, Kiona, and, 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 and greatly need you and your participation in helping me to uh, see what's going on in the chat and um, not miss any of my questions and comments and as it, um, as it relates to uh, my live chat in the YouTube platform. Now, already, um is a deity unto itself. Um, it, unlike many of the other Orishas, uh, doesn't have paths, doesn't have um, individualized um, um, detailing outside of the actual ceremony of, of receiving your Ori having had that done. Um, and as with everything in voodoo, there's a five divination that goes with that. And so there are details within the Odoo embedded in that, that knowledge in the do embedded in that, that 
help us to clarify our relationship to Ori, what that is and how, how that works. Uh, there's a shrine that is marketed, um, again, it's more of a modern notion um, than maybe how things were done uh, some time ago. Uh, there's the, the, it almost looks like a little house. In fact, it's called Ile um, Ori. It's a little house. It's completely covered in, in cowrie shells in which your mysteries of Ori are contained in that. Um, in other traditions, uh, Lukomi, Santeria, uh, sometimes Hulu practitioners, it's encased um, in an osun, which is a particular uh, type of uh, spiritual device that can be purchased at the Botanica, uh, but then just like your empty issue shell, um, it has to be packed. And it, then certain things and certain applications have to be um, applied to it in order for it, for it to work and for it to be, be activated. So there are um, some details to Ori that aren't a part of the common Hoodoo uh, or Risha romantic discussion that aren't readily um, findable or accessible um, to our general Google searches. And so I appreciate um, particularly questions of that nature, which mean opportunity to um, respond to, to a larger listening audience uh, about questions that they may have um, and are not directly asking. Um, there's not a direct relationship other than the reasoning behind them share a similarity. Um, the words you're using actually drive part of the spirit body as opposed to an actual ceremony or ritual. Um, and, and that goes back to Kemet, ancient Egypt, of course, Voodoo, Fa, Ifa, and many other uh, traditions um, within ATR umbrella. The idea, again, that, that a cleansing happens, that a that a head opening happens, that some level of manipulation has to happen at the head level, at the conscious level, to not just move us from one place in, in our understanding to another, but, but to then activate powers and forces within our head, within our consciousness, within our body, otherwise not being utilized. I remember back when I was a kid, there was a common saying that we, or a common belief, that we only use 10% of our brain. I believe that has scientifically been disproven, but I don't believe science is still clear about to, to what degree um, our brain is, is, is an operation um, and, and to how, you know, at many levels that, that process works. Um, complicated computer that we all own uh, and have access to, uh, but it's the least understood in many cases. So the spirits that operate in many religious practices and spiritual practices around the world have also um, included teachings, practices, rituals that somehow involve the manipulation of the head to allow for the opening of the third eye, for instance, um, the opening of the mouth in the Egyptian Book of the Dead, which, which allows you to, 
to the ability to create and recreate your reality um, in the next world, in, in the end world. Um, so there's a um, connection, but there's not a direct uh, relationship between Ori and Metet uh, is, uh, and how that's um, referenced and utilized in, in Haitian voodoo. Please, if you have a question or comment or request, do them in all platforms, both video and YouTube live by way of chat in capital letters so that I can them and force them the conversation in the chat. If you are uh, with me on my Block Talk Radio phone line at area code 845-277-9143, please do press the number one and I will unmute your mic and then bring you to the conversation. I mentioned Aye Lala earlier as a person known to be a gentlewoman, an easygoing woman, understandably loving, kind, and an incident happened in which she was unjustly accused of evildoing. She was neither tried nor convicted. Her, how, her voice was not heard. Her position was not heard because she was a slave. And this is, again, a primordial deity, one of the older um, Egungoons, if you will, ancestral powers known in West Africa and among many ethnic groups in West Africa. And it's been resurrected, uh, much like voodoo is maligned and resurrected in, in the media and, and in publications in the West um, for entertainment or, or for, you know, larger numbers, uh, but also to continue to bastardize and, and malign um, and bring negative repercussions upon uh, practitioners of indigenous world belief system and those who don't surrender to Islam, Christianity, uh, Judaism, the, the, the main mainstream modern um, dominating uh, prevailing religious systems. And so it was said that she was buried alive and then later found to have been innocent of that which was, um, you know, put on her. And so to prevent her wrath, to prevent her negative response to it from the ancestral realm, uh, she was then deified. And, and, and made a goddess and, and made an orisha and made a, a juju power that is still used to this day in protection, in defense, in retribution against liars and thieves and, and, and all sorts of lawbreakers that appear to go uh, unjudged by uh, societal laws or the systems and government they are set up in, in the world today. These powers through witchcraft, synchronizing with witchcraft, um, amalgamation with other traditions here in the West, as well as the righteous indignation and anger um, of the enslaved people today 
show up as vengeful, retributive practices um, that we now peg as, as pagan, that we now peg as folk, folk culture or, or somehow something that, that we are all able to access uh, irregardless of knowledge or skill or understanding to sort of do the petty whims um, of human nature. Um, love and, and money and, and power and, and control. And so my job has always been, since my first broadcast, to separate sort of the illusions of, of creativity and imagination and, and fic fiction writers and, and horror films. Um, and of course, outright appropriation to really demonstrating what is truthful about our practice what is still useful and result-oriented about these practices and how we then can acknowledge them and have um, and have a a connection to these forces and these powers uh, today. I certainly do appreciate each and everyone for being present and for participating in this live broadcast of revolutionary who do tickets and recipes both in my blog talk radio platform at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince and also in my, my live platform at youtube.com forward slash the I'm sorry forward slash B O O B O O T Y E uh, for some reason, I'm having a problem now with my chat in Vault Talk Radio. So forgive me for dumping anybody who was sitting uh, in the chat. And I, move forward. Um, I have a lot on my plate. <laughs> really, from now until Mardi Gras Day, my be overwhelming. Um, I will do all that I can to be present for you in, in both. I knew that's interesting. I absolutely appreciate Keona for all does to assist me on the show and moving things forward in a smooth, smoother way than if I were trying to do um, all of these things on my own. And of course, I'm grateful and appreciative for all of my listeners and viewing audience uh, live as well as in archive. And I look forward to sitting here with you again on Monday at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time for another episode of Revolutionary Hoodoo, New Orleans Hoodoo Secrets and Recipes here on Blog Talk Radio and YouTube Live. All is truly and indeed a blessing. I share <laughs> Dash of cayenne to the root. Gonna put on my Greek grease suit. Boil a gumbo hot and steady. Don't care if ready, ready. Gonna pray at that old cemetery. Down on Claiborne where she's buried. 
the fire on the bayou when a black cat scratched at two under a full moon that's blue chant some magic words kufaru a dash of cayenne to the room gonna put on my Greek grease suit Black top hat, black suit too, single rod that Moses through. I'm gonna get them bones out the graveyard for you. Can't see my eyes, black shades too. A dash of cayenne to the roof. Gonna put on my green grease. Black top hat, black suit too, same old ride that Moses threw. I'm gonna get them bones out the graveyard for you. Can't see my eyes, black shades too. Going pray at the old cemetery, down on Claiborne where she's buried. A dash of cayenne. To the roof, gonna put on my Greek grease suit. Yeah, black top hat, black suit too. Same old ride that Moses threw. I'm gonna get them bones out the graveyard for you. Can't see my eyes, black sheets too. Gonna pray at that old cemetery. Down on Claiborne where she's buried. A dash of cayenne to the room. Gonna put on my green, green suit.